0: We've kind of Uh, covered this in the past about how round numbers, for some reason, bear significance. I mean, nobody reports about the Dow breaking through 9,642 or, I mean, that's not a big deal. People say, well, why'd you tell me that? But as soon as it's a round number, it's 10,000 or it's 35,000. That's important and worthy of a headline. There's no significance other than in our heads about that, but the significance in our head influences prices. Just a weird thing. Just keep that in mind. This is why people still charge you $19.99 for something instead of $20. Once more unto the breach, dear friends, else close the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach, starring Jake and McClure. This is The Personal Wealth Coach. Uh, As I just said, I'm Jake McClure. That's Jeff McClure. We're both bald. We're related to each other, thus the last name. Uh, He is Elder Baldy and is also my father. It's crazy how he can be both at the same time. The personal wealth coach, let me give, start with our disclosures. Do you want to start a
1: disclosure? I think I can do starting again. disclosure. Hey, you, you sound great again. Whatever you did worked. Yeah, I just started going through things and unplugging things and replugging things and rebooting things. It worked. The personal wealth coach is also, is not only the name of a SEC registered investment advisor. It's not only, I should say it's not only the name of this radio program, it's also the name of a registered investment advisor based in salado texas that is uh registered with the united states securities and exchange commission which does not imply in any way that they approve of what we're doing just says we have over 100 million dollars under management so we have to register with them and they have to regulate us yep and so we're involved in the uh what was the war with billy the kid the uh,
0: moderators the, versus the regulators—the Lincoln County yes, Wars. Yes,
1: the Lincoln County War. The moderators versus the regulators. We think we're moderators, and they think they're regulators. So we're trying to kill each other not, not But really. no,
0: no, we're not. Definitely not. Uh, do, we have not been deputized by anyone, legal or otherwise. But the it's but a the fun SEC thought.
1: doesn't does not approve or disapprove anything that we do. But we registered with them anyway. Yes. And let's see what is this. So we were registered with. So we did that. Uh, we don't pay for the radio program. supposed to disclose that, too. But we also pay for advertising on KTEM for the radio program. But they advertise for the radio program, too. So it's kind of hard to figure out which is spot on that. You want to go through another one?
0: Yeah. You you hit all of the, the ones that I usually hit, so I'm going to do the deem. Um, oh. Yeah. See if you can do it right. Oh, well, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make deem. it my own. Uh, all of the information that we talk to you about on this radio program comes from sources that we deem to be reliable. However, we make no warranty, nor do we make a guarantee about any of the accuracy or completeness of that information said, written, or otherwise. Implication inferred or uninferred. Um, what else? S- said information or written If if you read this stuff, make
1: no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. Yeah, but
0: you got to say it really quickly. What if it's written and I have to do it in in a monotone? I got to get more practice on that one. I don't need to talk like this and speak like I'm in a car commercial. Please, please avoid paper cuts at all costs. There you go. Did we hit all of them? No educational content there we go something yes
1: educational not just
0: just because we just said in that other disclosure before this one that uh the information that we give as fiduciaries under the sec side of investment advice is given it you know a great deal of personal information is known and so on we don't do that on the radio because we don't know everybody that's listening to us Well, maybe we do. Maybe actually no one is listening to us. And then we could give fiduciary investment advice very easily just by being absolutely silent. And it would be appropriate to no one. Would
1: that be advice? Because that's advice to do nothing.
0: Yeah, that's advice. I mean, but seeing as we don't know everybody out there, we can't give blanket fiduciary advice. So we give blanket educational content, which is very different. It is something to help you make a decision rather than advising you on all the ins and outs and how it would affect you directly on any advice.
1: And, there. and even when we even, even when we do advise, give advice, we don't give tax or legal advice.
0: That's true, ever. We uh, could we, add
1: that as another disclosure. Yes,
0: we are, we are not attorneys. We are not tax advisors. Not only are we not attorneys and not tax advisors, attorneys and tax advisors have advised us not to be attorneys and tax advisors. There. That's not quite appropriately legally yet. We got to work on that one. We got to bore be more everyone
1: and say it faster. Yes. Bigger words.
0: Bigger words say it faster in a monotone and then it sounds really important. But that we're actually not only going to give you disclosures all day long. We're also going to talk about what happened in the market this week. Uh and looking... we're going
1: to tell you Great. We're gonna tell you that if you want to join in on the radio program, you can, but it has to be done has to be done by email. And you can email us either at Jake at tpwc.com or Jeff at tpwc.com.
0: And we already how succinctly. Yeah, we already got a question in even before we sent that out. What happened in the market this week?
1: Did something happen in the market this week?
0: I, I think that people did some trading back and forth, but pretty much same thing that happened the week before and the week before and the week before which is people showed up and did trading and then went home but well, i think that covers it all actually you may not actually have to say anymore that in the market things were traded at the end of the trading the prices were different than at the beginning of the trading and then everybody went home and had a weekend
1: in the stock market a lot of stock was traded but no stock no actual stock like cattle
0: no stock like com no livestock or soup stock or well maybe some in the commodities market what
1: they did it could be some to soup stock going around. Campbell's is public. Yeah, it's true. Anyway, we are on a roll this exciting morning. Exciting on Monday. The stock market was exciting on Monday and boring the rest of the week. Yep, pretty much says it. On Monday, this, the the S P five hundred funds by the close one point six percent. one point, it was down two point three percent. Headed towards headed towards a correction. I mean, there was a stampede out the door. And after the fact, there was some analysis done about who started buying at that point and headed off the stampede. And it turned out it was mostly young individual investors, which proves that Jamie Dimon, the head of J.P. Morgan, knows what he's talking about because last week he said that uh, there's a lot of young investors with a lot of money who are going to invest in the market's going to go up as a result. Now, whether he's right about the market's going to go up, I don't know. But he said there's a lot of buying left to be done. So we started off with this big drop at the beginning of the week. And that was because the delta variant of covid caused a apparent fourth wave to start in covid infections in the united states and it's it's whether it's third wave or fourth wave or whatever it is it is slamming the rest of the world uh nike for example is uh is having to reduce production because they're shutting down factories in india because of massive delta variant covid back uh covid infections and they were concerned it was going to choke off the recovery now the Remember, the last time the market dipped was because of inflation, because there was too much demand and the economy was running too hot, and they were afraid the Federal Reserve was going to raise interest rates. So this time, the market took a dip because they were afraid the if the recovery was going to collapse. The market is the market, meaning the people who do the trading on a daily basis, is looking for something to be afraid of, which is a good sign, by the way. That's that indicates we're in a bull market. Anyway, we started off with this dip, and then. The market recovered, not completely, but did a very nice recovery on Tuesday morning. Why did it recover on Tuesday morning? Well, because a lot of people, the officials and the the CDC and so on, said they didn't think it was all that serious. And the governors came out and said, we're not going to lock down again. And people started buying and the market came back. It also helped that during the week, we had earnings reports coming in from the second quarter. And then we're having an unusually high number of Corporations that report from the S&P 500, for example, that are reporting above estimate earnings. In other words, the the earnings are estimated by the analysts, and we say this is about how much money per share this company is likely to have profited in the second quarter. And so far, 85% of the companies reporting for the second quarter have come in substantially above estimate, which is an unusually high number. Usually, about 60 to 70% do. We're up to 85%. In other words, the second quarter. Was apparently better than the analysts thought it was going to be, and the market it's largely based on where the analysts think earnings are going. That's the at least in the growth side of the market. So all this started going on, and what was really funny, at least to me, not funny, strange,
0: interesting. I'll laugh at it. I don't. I've, just, I've got a weird sense of humor, though.
1: Was the volatility virtually disappeared from the market from Tuesday forward? The rise in the S and P 500 was smooth and looked like somebody had put a Line that put a ruler across it and drawn a line. It just moved up very smoothly for the rest of the week, and it ended up at 1.96 percent, closing at 4411.79. That's a new record. Another week, another record. The S and P 500 is up 17.46 percent this year. Now, we got to say something about the Dow Jones Industrial Average here because we don't normally talk about it. It's only 30 stocks, and it is figured differently than the S and P 500. It's less representative of the market than the S and P 500. But the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed above 35,000 for the first time on Friday. You can mark that down in your memory. I like those round numbers because I remember when they happened. I remember when the S&P 500 closed above 4,000. I thought that was pretty impressive.
0: We've kind of Uh, covered this in the past about how round numbers, for some reason, bear significance. I mean, nobody reports about the Dow breaking through 9,642 or... I mean, that's not a big deal. People say, well, why'd you tell me that? But as soon as it's a round number, it's 10,000 or it's 35,000. That's important and worth- worthy of a headline. There's no significance other than in our heads about that. But the significance in our head influences prices. Just a weird thing. Just keep that in mind. This is why people still charge you nineteen ninety-nine for something instead of $20. $20 yep. is a round number and has significance. And when it's a benefit round number you get this great result and when it's a cost round number people say oh that's too high so just just be aware there's no real difference except the way we experience reality basically it's a big difference
1: no difference now, except for the big one something interesting again is still con- till, still continuing to occur the yield on the u.s 10-year tre- u.s treasury note which is the benchmark yield for the economy for for a lot of interest rates that are charged on mortgages and so on, it fell to 1.279%. Now, it was up around 1.75 back in May. It's down to 1.279. Four weeks ago, it was up around 1.5. So the interest rates on the 10-year Treasury note are continuing to fall. Now, under normal circumstances, whatever that is, falling interest rates on the 10-year Treasury would indicate that somebody thinks that the economy is going to slow down and there's no danger of inflation. At the same time, there's great, apparently great fear of inflation, but the 10-year treasury note is yielding 1.279%. Um, that's weird, until you realize that the world is out of whack right now. This is not normal.
0: There's not anything really normal that we could say since maybe February of 2020. There's just not been a normalcy in here, but we can look back at other unnormal times, and this is what we're seeing a repeat of. A normal repeat is- of an unnormal time.
1: There's a couple of things going on here. Number one, the Treasury is not issuing a lot of new Treasury notes. We're issuing very few because they're pulling them out of the Federal Reserve. So they've got a big reserve at the, at the Federal Reserve, which is kind of a weird thing
0: to that's, reserve at the Reserve. That's kind of why they call it the Federal Reserve.
1: But the Treasury has a bunch of money stored there that they've built up over time. And under the law, by August, by the end of August, oh, by the beginning of August, I think it is. Yeah, by the end of July. They have to have that down to $450 billion, and it's like $780 billion. So they're drawing out of there rather than issuing new Treasury uh, securities. And I don't, frankly, see at the rate they're withdrawing how they're going to get it all out of there in time, which is going to be weird. Why is July 31st a big deal? Because July 31st is when the debt ceiling law was back into effect. And if Congress doesn't pass a rise to the debt ceiling, eventually the Treasury runs out of money and the government shuts down again.
0: This is, again, a repeat of an unnormal time, but it's normal enough that we should all have memories of potential government shutdowns and budgets not being approved yet. So this is part of the thing that's going on with the infrastructure plan and several of the other things is that there's budgetary issues in those plans that need to be passed so that the government continues. And we've passed the the borrowing ceiling or very close to it there.
1: Yeah. And some senators in their, on the Republican side in the in the Senate have said they're not going to raise the debt ceiling. So, it's that's you want something to worry about. That's something else you can worry about for a while. Just uh,
0: just for the fun of it, if you if you're lacking in things to worry about when people are talking about the Delta variant or uh, you know any of these strange things that sound terrifying, and you don't have enough to be terrified about, well, we've got more for you there.
1: At any rate, the, the yield has been dropping for, for, for that reason. It's also been dropping because the Federal Reserve is buying treasury securities on the open market to hold interest rates down. And it's also been dropping for another reason, a very big reason, and that is there's a lot of money buying treasury securities. And as a bond price goes up, and people buy more and more of something that's in short supply, the price goes up. And as the price goes up, the effective interest rate goes down. That's just the way bonds work. I won't explain that. We could try to explain it, but it's rough.
0: Yeah, it's it, there's, it takes a little bit of time, but we can we could do it in a way that people understand. Let me just real quick. If you're at a bank and another bank interest uh, offers you a higher interest rate to move your money over there, you're more likely to do it, which causes the asset at the first bank to be worth less because you moved it over. Um, and that's a very, very basic and impartial description of what's going on at supply and demand. Uh, higher interest rate bonds look better to everybody that wants to buy a bond. Lower interest rates don't look as good, so the money tends to move from one to the other. When you're selling one thing, it tends to go down in price. When you're buying another thing, it tends to go up in price. That's just the way it works. It, there's complexity in there as long as you look at it in a complex way. It's really just... Would you rather have a high-interest-rate bond or a low-interest-rate bond if they're the same risk? And people go, well, I'd rather have the high-interest-rate.
1: What causes the the low-interest-rate to
0: be worth less? And all over the
1: world where the Delta variant is raging and economies are in danger and a lot of people are scared, they want people who have a lot of money and governments who have a lot of money want to put their money someplace where they have some degree of reliability in getting it back when the bond matures. And they're buying 10-year treasury notes, even though a treasure, the 10-year treasury note is probably below inflation. In other words, inflation is running, is estimated to run by the kind of a consensus of economists and the Congressional Budget Office and the Fed and everybody else. at About two and a quarter to two and a half percent over the next 10 years or so. So the yield is 1.279, which means you're losing 1% a year if you own a treasury note. Based on just period. inflation, yeah. But it's kind of like democracy. It may be a lousy place to put your money, but it's better than all the rest because if you look at all the other places that will guarantee a return on your money, guarantee that they would not not a return, but they guarantee... A return of your, your money.
0: money. That they're going to return the money. We guarantee that's what... The, yeah.
1: There's only one developed large economic entity in the world that pays this high an interest rate, and that's the United States. And there's another factor here that the pundits that i've been reading have not taken into account when they're feverishly debating as to why the interest rates keep falling that is that the dollar is up three percent so far this year
0: that's a big deal
1: so if you bought a treasury at the beginning of the year that's yielding 1.2 percent, you have gained an extra three percent on it if you live outside the united states and well that's an average right so the dollar is rising. Well, it's one of those weird things. It's like the market. The dollar is rising because a lot of people are buying treasuries. And why are they buying treasuries? They're buying treasuries because the dollar's rising. And when you don't, in order to buy treasuries, you have to buy dollars to buy the treasuries with. It's all a pretty complex issue. But the bottom line, the bottom line to it is that the United States dollar is still the reserve currency of the world. It's still considered the most secure place in the world to put money. It has risen when gold has fallen. The rest of the world is convinced that the United States Treasury and the United States dollar is solid, and they're buying it.
0: So far, so good.
1: The other index that we follow is oil. West Texas Intermediate Oil is the one we follow. It fell less than 1% to 7208. Interestingly enough, it falls when the dollar rises, so that has an effect on it. But it fell on Tuesday. Price of oil fell on Tuesday for the same reason the market went down. Fear that the recovery was stalling, and then it recovered very quickly and found round up less than one percent down. It's trading between seventy and seventy-five dollars a barrel, and it seems to be pretty stable there. And then it's a little surprising because OPEC came out with an announcement that they had reached an agreement with the United Arab Emirates, and they were going to pump more oil. Normally, that causes the price of West Texas Intermediate oil to to fall because there's going to be more oil on the market in the future. Instead, it's stabilized, which it tells you that that's the indicator that our economy is doing well. And if you don't know why that would happen, all you have to do is try to drive on I-35.
0: Yeah. It, it, there's a limit at which we cannot drive anymore. Uh, yesterday, we had a back and we do a newsletter every week and we had a back and forth. I'm out of pocket right now. I'm not that I'm ever actually in someone's pocket. Uh, I'm in Colorado and doing the radio from, from Colorado. And I went from Denver to Fort Collins yesterday, and then back from Fort Collins to Denver. And the traffic was obscene by any definition. It was just to let you know that I am open-minded in this approach. I recognize that I was part of the same traffic that I'm calling obscene. Uh, But it's a statement of, at some point, there's only so much gasoline you can use. If enough people are trying hard to use the gasoline to move from one place to another, it slows everyone down, so there's like a a maximum consumption rate, if you will. That's kind of tongue-in-cheek, because you can't really measure that easily. But it it puts a limit on that upward pressure on gasoline as well, um, on oil in general, There's other stuff happening that's putting a limit on the upward movement of oil in general, and that is that there's a massive move across a lot of industries over into other types of energy, mostly renewable, but natural gas being part of that. Now, natural gas, you would think, well, that's part of the petroleum, right? So the thing is that natural gas prices now are no longer moving quite as in lockstep with the price of West Texas Intermediate or any other crude oil prices. Because with fracking, depending on how fast we're fracking, the percentage of natural gas that comes out of that can be quite large or quite small. So what does that have to do with all of this? It means that we're diversifying our energy needs. And this is a good thing, no matter if you're in the oil business or the solar industry, it's a good thing because we need more than one leg for our stool. Uh, as as the Arab embargo of the 1970s showed, we can't be dependent on someone else for our energy. Well, we also can't be dependent on one substance for our energy that is also created by lots of other companies and countries all throughout the world that may or may not have our best interest in mind. And by the may or may not, I mostly mean may not. So, that all being said, it makes sense that we're back in the seventy to seventy-five dollar uh, barrel range. It's reasonable. We we have a big demand to expand, but we have kind of a cap on how fast we can do it. And when OPEC is saying, "All right, we're gonna release some extra oil out there," you can just it goes without saying that the frackers are doing that already. They're pumping quickly to take advantage of these higher prices because they're still burned from last year when a lot of them went out of business from negative oil prices. And that was a long kind of mixed-up statement that our economy is expanding very fast at a point that I don't think it could expand faster than it is already expanding. Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah. The other thing that's going to affect the price of oil, and it's way out in the future, but it's going to affect it, it's the fact that Mercedes and Volkswagen have both announced that by the end of the decade, by the end of the 2020s, they will no longer be making gasoline engines.
0: Yeah. Um, Ford, General Motors, uh, all, of, all of the major auto manufacturers are, are have a different prediction. I talked about General Motors saying this last week. Ford said it this week. They expect in 10 years that more than 50% of the cars being manufactured will be electric. I could change
1: subject. You're going to see more wobbles in the market. You're going to see more wobbles in the economy. We've had a nice smooth ride, relatively speaking, this spring as we've recovered from the winter pandemic. It's amazing. It was only six months ago that we were thinking that the pandemic was as bad as it was going to get, and then it kept getting worse. But you're going to see whiplash in the economy. You're going to see stops and starts, bottlenecks, chokes, unpleasant things occur, and you're going to see the market wobble around. Just be prepared for that. It's not a smooth ride. And at some point I have faith and this is purely faith. I see nothing that would cause a correction at this point. I can tell you at some point we're going to get a correction. I say that with a great deal, not with certainty, but with a great deal of faith because a market, you go back and look through history for a market double and we're like 97% up from where we were at the bottom and 100% will hit a market double. Having a market double without a correction is an exceptionally rare thing. And at some point, something will come along and it will scare, it will spook investors, and the stock market will drop 10%. And you will see the doomsday scenario pop up all over the TV, all over the newspapers. If you read newspapers, wherever you see it, it's going to be get out of the market now. Don't. I'm just telling you, just be prepared. It's going to happen. Have a plan. And eventually, we'll come back out of that again and probably do better than we did before. And it's just something that every... I keep saying this over and over again, but it's something to be aware of in the middle of a bull market because we are in a raging bull market right now by any definition. Which, by the way, based on current earnings, not on past earnings, is not overpriced it yet. I think Morningstar is saying it's 4% overpriced, which is not significant. Yeah. But by the metrics that we use... This is a normal pricing for a bull market. And I think you can be comfortable that somebody will determine that it's too highly priced. Matter of fact, on Monday, a lot of people thought it was too highly priced and started selling off. And there are going to be other attempts at that, too. Just relax. Take it easy. The economy is going like gangbusters, whatever gangbusters is.
0: I think it has to do with the 1930s when the FBI went out with Tommy guns and uh, attacked. It really tore it up.
1: The Elliott Ness and the Untouchables. Yeah. But we have a very healthy economy. We have the healthiest economy in the world by far, by the way. We performed this great experiment with the rest of the many countries in the rest of the world locked down to stop COVID, but they didn't invest the kind of money we invested in vaccines. We didn't lock down anywhere near as tightly as most other countries did. As a result we had a very, very high mortality rate from COVID relative to other countries initially. But now we are We're not as vaccinated as we need to be, but as our percentage of vaccinations are concerned, we're the highest of any large developed economic entity in the world. And as a result, our economy is roaring ahead ahead of everyone else's. The experiment is working. The economy is doing wonders, but we are not alone in the world. And as a result, the Delta variant sweeping through India and, and popping up in places in China is going to affect our economy. We're still going to have bottlenecks. So just be prepared for those to happen. They're going to happen. They're going to happen in unexpected places. There's going to be bumps and grinds along the way. But bottom line, I want to say this very clearly, I think we're in the roaring 20s.
0: Yeah, I think we're seeing that. Productivity is up and we're automating in a way that we haven't. I mean, service industry has a big productivity boost from computers and so on. Manufacturing is having a new industrial revolution. I mean, the automation revolution, it's industrialization automated. and that
1: yeah, The IHS Market Manufacturing PMI, which is Purchasers' Managers' Index, Purchasing Managers' Index, came in at 59.7. Anything above 50 is growth. I was 63.7 in June. But just beginning, and there's some headlines out there about the fact that growth has peaked. Well, growth has peaked in the sense that you can only grow so fast, and anything above 60 is unheard of and, and unsustainable. So we're now down to 59.7, which is still very, very fast. And I think we're seeing this growth and it will continue all the way through this year and into 2022 for sure.
0: Right. Thank you very much for listening, if you have. If you haven't, then no thanks to you. (laughs) Um, If you'd like to talk to us off the air, we have voicemail waiting locally during the week at...
1: 2549471111.
0: Uh real live people during the week a voicemail during the weekend and that is also one eight hundred nine one four seven five two six. It's 80914 plan. You can go to the webpage thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com. You can email us through there, contact us through their podcasts, newsletters, all that good stuff. Until next week. This has been The Personal Wealth Coach.